It is a gloomy Monday in the neighborhood, but we are brightening things up with a Monday edition of NSN Daily. The Pac-12 Pipeline to Reno continuing to stay busy. There's actually another two wolves transferring to join Nevada football's hunt. If I win, I'll jump in the lake. The American Century Championship a month away. We're heading out to Media Day from Edgewood and checking in with annual contender Marty Fish. There's a former Wolfpack favorite in the house, a teammate of this one. Sharpshooter Jazz Johnson stops by the studio to talk his professional career and more with our Alex Margulies. I always want to be doing something. And our Shannon Kelly features the latest local to go Division I in gymnastics. All that and plenty more right now. It's Monday on NSN Daily. And a happy Monday to you and yours, y'all. He's Alex Margulies. I'm Mike Stephenson. And from our champion Chevrolet studio, you know what this is. It is NSN Daily. Alex, rain, rain, mm -hmm. go away. We're in the middle of June. I know. We're, we, had, we had a shoot plan today that for exploring our backyard. Can we tease? I was wondering we if we it? wanted to let the cat out of the bag or not. I'm fine with it. It is a northern Nevada staple location. We were going to go to Wild Island. So I know this isn't like a hike or something unique, but... <laughs> uh, think back to like when we were in like elementary school. Like I'm that was, you, you get like, you know, you get... Uh, little field trip or something to Wild Island or just go ex explore the summer, and now we if you will. Uh, we were supposed to go today, so uh, unfortunately, yes, rain, go away. Mother Nature. Because uh, we're trying to enjoy some slides. Mother Nature with other plans. The slides we're trying to get some slides on a Monday. The but slides I, but, aren't going anywhere. I guess uh, we not, will not, reschedule. not in the cards uh, <laughs> for now. But uh, let's get all uh, the week started with a little football talk. Mike, you know, we've been talking about that Pac-12 connection and another uh, transfer couple transfers making their way onto Kent Wilson's roster uh, the first coming out of these Pac-12 ranks uh, from the University of Utah defensive back Kane Savage he's 5'11 182 pounds played in all 14 of the Utes games in 2022 so that's a big difference mm -hmm. he's a guy that actually brings a ton of experience he joins the silver and blue despite playing those 14 games in 22 three years of eligibility and anytime you can get a guy with experience from that level with eligibility that's huge the team uh mike will get into that in a second about the offensive line but let's talk about kane savage sure. i mean uh being able to to land a defensive back and getting three years of eligibility all of that and a guy with experience uh this is already a deep group nevada's secondary right so adding him into the mix sounds pretty exciting yeah it'll be exciting to see how he mixes things up and maybe creates even a little more competition within that defensive back room but you said it that Pac-12 pipeline, P-A-C-K-12. I keep making that <laughs> joke because it is now nine former Pac-12 players who have since made the move to join the Silver and Blue. A little birdie told me there may be another one coming down the pipeline as Dang. well. We will have to wait for that news. But, yeah, uh, it shows that Ken Wilson and his staff are out there working hard and trying to bring in some guys who have played some big-time college football and try to get Nevada to that next level of, after, of course, that 2-10 and season just last fall. So we'll have to see what Kane Savage, who I think immediately rises to the top in terms of names on the team. Kane Savage, I don't think it gets Kane better than Savage. that. Good, uh, good football I'm, name. I'm excited to see if he's a savage in the defensive back <laughs> for the Wolfpack. It should be fun to well, watch. Well, and, and maybe, Mike, uh, could we see a potential uh, position switch with him because he did come out of high school as a, a pretty prolific wide receiver. I mean, you're talking about a guy that set Orange County single-season records in receptions, receiving yards at 2,000 uh, receiving yards in a single season, 32 touchdowns in his junior year. 
of high school at Western High down there in Southern California. So I know, again, that secondary is experienced, the wide receiving core. Of course, I think could use yeah. some competition. So, you know, maybe a guy uh, that could potentially see that. We don't know for sure, but that was one thing that came to mind for me is, you know, he's now learned to even play that secondary position. Would he be a weapon, you know, back on that offensive side of the ball now that he knows the defense a little bit better? Or is that his kind of position to stick? But you add another athlete uh, into way. the room, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, and there's an argument to be made that maybe – the wide receiver room needs a little more talent than the cornerback room. We'll have to find out as mm -hmm. ball camp gets closer and closer. But either way, if he's catching balls on offense or on defense, I think Nevada would be happy with that as uh, Kane Savage again comes from Utah. Nobody from Utah had made the move yet, so that's a, mm. a first Ute joining those uh, line of Pac-12 transfers. You mentioned also the team bolstering, uh, and there's a big magnifying glass on this position, the offensive line. How about a Division Three product coming to town? Josh Castro, he played last season at Cal Lutheran. He is 6'3", 310 pounds. Nevada will be his fifth mm. school, first at the FBS level, though. So you got to think he's coming here hungry and joining Angus McClure's union, yeah. uh, a group that, as it stood in spring, returned uh, just 37 total starts. So Castro, of course, will come in with zero, but uh, come in with experience as well in that offensive line. Yeah, and Mike, uh, he took visits uh, to UNLV, uh, to Rice, to UC Davis, so decided to, to go with the, the Wolfpack over uh, the Rebels uh, from the South. He is another uh, Southern California guy from L.A., went to West Adams High, and so Nevada uh, getting two guys to, to bolster that union room. We talked about last week Jason Rodriguez right. coming over from USC. And, and so, again, this is a – this, and we said this last week, this is a position room that needs depth. You need some bodies. You need some depth. Uh, and I'm very excited to see what Angus McClure can do with this group. And now that you're starting to add a few more pieces, because, again – I feel like we say this every year, and I'm kind of a broken record. <laughs> Nevada's going to go as far as their union. Oh, gosh. You know, they're not going to win football games if their union does not perform. And so uh, this is a position that's going to be under a big microscope this year for sure. Yeah, and sometimes I think getting talented offensive linemen in the transfer market can be difficult. So you land a Jason Rodriguez out of USC who, granted, he didn't play extensively for the Trojans. He was still a part of some really talented teams, and maybe in the Mountain West, that translates to a little more success. And then you see Josh Castro, who has had a heck of a run in college football now at his fifth school. So he's probably seen it all. We'll see how he can compare uh, once he reaches the Division One level, which he, I guess FBS level, which he has yet to play in. So a lot remains to be seen, yeah. but uh, new additions heading this way and potentially more as well. We also got some news today from Nevada basketball as well. The Wolfpack at least reportedly has its season opener set. This is according to College Hoops analyst Rocco Miller. He tweeted that the Silver and Blue will begin its 2023 campaign November 7th at home when Sacramento State mm. invades Lawler Event Center. It's interesting though the Wolfpack and Hornets have not gotten together since November 19th of 2005. Wow. Though it will be their 60th meeting. Nevada leads that series 39 to 20 a little big sky foe coming to the biggest little city this uh, fall we'll have to see i guess so mike you were what probably a sophomore at, at north valley's high in that would have been the start of my sophomore year as a panther yeah so you were a sophomore in high school the last time Gosh, uh, the, almost, the Hornets almost two decades came came to lawler events there i think this is pretty cool i mean i i like to see uh this get kind of rekindled i mean these two schools are only two hours apart we've seen a lot of uh matchups between nevada and pacific uh, right. You know, they've come up from from the Central Valley, but uh, to get Sac State here since 2005, uh, again, they're a good Big West program. I mean, this is a, this is a decent squad. It's not, uh, you know, the, the same level as maybe that Big West basketball that you get in from a team like 
yeah. Pacific, but you know, Nevada's got to fill their schedule and uh, this one definitely makes sense in terms of just logistics. Now, you know, when it comes to these games, there's financial uh, implications. So financially, I'm sure this makes a lot of sense for the Wolfpack in terms of how much they're going to have to spend, uh, you know, to get teams to come to Lawler Event Center. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see the rest of this uh, schedule get kind of put together. We know that they're going the Diamond Head Classic right, right now uh, in Hawaii. They're likely going to play that game as well against uh, the Rainbow Warriors. So we know that they're going to get some competition there. But the rest of their non-conference schedule is still very much uh, kind of to be determined. So maybe yep. we'll start seeing more news uh, here in the coming weeks about that. That sounds like some summer news for mm. us. A little uh, piecing together the Wolfpack schedule. <laughs> we should note that our Chris Murray has uh, details on both of those Wolfpack transfers as well as Nevada's schedule where it stands right now. You can see some more expanded coverage of that at NevadaSportsNet.com. All right, the college baseball world will soon have all eyes on Omaha, Nebraska. And how about a couple of two Nevada former head coaches at the College World Series with their respective new squads. In his second year at the helm of LSU, Jay Johnson, who had uh, left Nevada for Arizona, took them to the College World Series. He is now going to the College World Series with LSU. And, uh, man, what a run uh, for the Tigers and just more that kind of Jay Johnson magic uh, down there in Baton Rouge, Mike. Yet to lose a game in postseason play, 5-0 and through the regional and super regional. You see them celebrating after the win over their conference foe, Kentucky. And you mentioned it, Johnson went all the way to the national championship yep. game with Arizona in 2016. I think it was that was first year at first Arizona. First year yeah. post-Nevada. And so back on the biggest stage of the game with LSU. That's really cool, too, not only to see Jay, but then... Uh, T.J. Bruce, he's in his first season at TCU. He's the associate head coach. The, the Horned Frogs also unbeaten in the postseason. They had a very interesting ride. They got through uh, the Arkansas Regional. Then they were supposed uh, to play a Super Regional against Indiana in Indiana. But that, for whatever reason, they had to move that series uh, to TCU. So they got a couple home games uh, out of that. Uh, but they had just a kind of a magical ride here down the stretch. Uh, sweeping its way through the regional and the super regional had an incredible run during the Big 12 tournaments. Uh, so it'll be interesting if we do get to see these two teams square off, TCU, LSU, Jay Johnson, uh, and TJ Bruce. Uh, that's kind of a, a juicy uh, matchup for fans here in Northern Nevada for sure. A juicy matchup with Bruce involved. Yeah, it could be. And you see why Coach Bruce ended up going from a head coach to an associate head coach for a program like TCU because mm -hmm. even you knew that something was brewing over there and the Horned Frogs putting on a heck of a run. LSU was, I think, number five overall heading into the postseason. So probably expected the Tigers to get to Omaha. Maybe not the same case for the, for the Horned yeah. Frogs, but nonetheless, we have two Wolfpack connections there uh, and Omaha. And again, you mentioned that Jay Johnson had led Arizona there in 2016. So this will be his second trip. It's mm -hmm. the third trip for TJ Bruce. He was there twice as an assistant with UCLA. They ended up winning it all in 2013. So he's trying to look for more of that magic a decade later. Yeah, he's got a championship there. And you know who was also a part of that championship run with UCLA in 2013 was our Good friend John Ramey. That's he was right. On the call for their the Golden Pipes for their John championship. Ramey. So and he's got the ring as well, doesn't he? Does. He does. He's got he's got the hardware to prove it. But we're gonna hold on to him in Northern Nevada as long <laughs> as we possibly can. All right, keeping with the baseball theme, Robbie Snelling. Well, he was initially committed to Jay Johnson and LSU. Right. Instead, the McQueen kid starting his pro career as a first round pick of the Padres. Our latest update from the Southpaw. Much like the previous, Snellen continuing to deal for low A Lake Elsinore, the storm. Last Thursday, he went five innings, struck out eight batters, walked none of them, 
and gave up just one run. Snelling's ERA this season, 1.30. That is tops in the California League. He's actually top 10 in all major statistical categories. That is a mm. hitter's league, Alex, and we're seeing Snelling just mow him down out of McQueen High School. Yeah, super impressive what he's been able to do, and I said this last week, I don't think he's lasting there beyond the All-Star break. I mean, yeah. I think maybe give him a couple more weeks uh, down there in Lake Elsinore, and he's going to find his way uh, through the San Diego Padres system. Uh, speaking of moving up levels, how about the AAA level? And the Reno Aces are back on the road this week after splitting some games at Greater Nevada Fields against Tacoma. That included a walk-off winner on Saturday with Kyle Lewis providing the heroics, rehabbing down from the Diamondbacks. Reno now heads to Vegas for six games with the Aviators beginning on Tuesday. They're now 35 and 28 overall and still holding the lead in the Pacific Coast League West by four games. They'll be back home starting next week, June 20th, as they play host to the Albuquerque Isotopes. It's a big day, June 20th. Same with June 19th, Gemini season. How about that? Back-to-back -back birthdays, yeah. 19th and 20th. It took us like a month or two of working like, together wait a before we discovered that. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Good stuff. All right. You going to catch a ball game on your birthday? That I could might be the have to. Either that or the rodeo is typically a tradition. There you the go. Birthdays. There so you go. Good options here in the biggest. Very nice. Season. All right. Here's what's coming up next on NSN Daily. Nothing to complain about. It's just uh, it can't come soon enough. Media day at the American Century Championship. The celebs invade South Lake in a month. But first, we're setting the table with Marty Fish. My chat with the 2020 champ at Edgewood is coming up next on NSN Daily. Hey y'all, Mike Stephenson here alongside Marty Fish. We are on the green at 17 at Edgewood. It is media day for the American Century Championship. It's like the first time every time when you come out here, is it not? Right, well, where are all the people? I mean, like the, <laughs> That's true, it's quiet. We've got three boats out here. It's usually uh, usually about 300 <laughs> boats. Um, so it's a little different um, on media day, but, uh, but it's good. It's good to be here. It's uh, obviously a beautiful setting, so always good to be at Edgewood. I'm sure you're a busy man throughout the year, but how big is this how big is this highlighted on your calendar every year this event I mean it's you know you get the email that comes in it's the best email you get every year uh, register I, I try and register as fast as I can so they can't take it away from me um, the invite and um, yeah I mean it's something we look forward to we bring I bring wife and kids and uh, parents and grand and grandkids grandparents and all that stuff and yeah. um, and then uh, you know you get to see a lot of friends that you've either met or have been friends with for a long time, um, you know, through through these events and otherwise. And, uh, you know, just I've got uh, Jake Owen is, has been one of my best friends uh, growing up since we were five years old. And, wow. and so, yeah. And so, like, it's one of the weeks that he brings his kids and I bring my kids and we kind of get to, you know, get to sort of relive old memories of uh, of hanging out when we're eight years old uh, in Vero Beach. So um, there's a lot of a lot of great a lot of a lot of great things that happen throughout uh you know sort of this week or you know eight nine days that we come out yeah. here try and spend as much time as we can and um it's a blast anybody else you want to name drop that you like to see out here every year <laughs> name drop not really i mean we've, he was best man of my wedding i mean so i gotta as far as you Jake, know yeah, i gotta incredible. yeah i gotta um gotta drop him but no look i mean you you know it's one of the one of the great things about these events and you know this specifically is um you get to kind of cross paths with people that you wouldn't normally cross paths with and um you know i've been able to meet some uh some people that i'm a huge fan of uh in the sports world or you know in the entertainment world and stuff and make some 
some really cool um, friendships that uh, that have lasted a long time. And we always look forward to, I got a game on Monday that week that is a standing game, a standing game on Wednesday that week, you know, so it's like, it's always um, something that, that everyone looks forward to. And a lot of you guys get those competitive juices flowing. And after knocking on the door for some years, you were able to win this thing in 2020. Mm -hmm. Where does that rank on your list of professional accomplishments, considering you were yeah. a heck of a tennis player? Um, I, outside of the tennis, um, it's probably number one right there. I mean, look, I, it was, um, you know, it's always special to be invited. You know, I kind of joke like, you know, the email comes and I get in there right away. And um it's not taken for granted and it's um it's a really special week um you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people put in a lot of you know effort we're here about a month out um uh for the event and i, c I couldn't be happier to to be here doing this with you guys and um you know just being out here in tahoe that's the thing over the years american century investments is poured so much good into the world really because of this tournament and so it's like y'all are out here having fun it's a yeah. party on 17 but at the end of the day a lot of good is being done out here too. yeah Jonathan Thomas has become a, a a close friend as well and CEO of American Century Investments and um you know and I, I see him throughout the year we were uh uh it must have been March or February or March that he was out in LA and we got to play a little golf and and hang out and have some lunch and stuff so it's uh I, I love uh uh you know, spending time with Jonathan and the team and, you know, all the guys over at NBC and, you know, obviously Harris and, and Edgewood and they do such a phenomenal job. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone looks forward to it. Um, obviously the weather is like this. I haven't seen a cloud, uh, knock on wood in, um, I don't know, apart from those don't count. Those are a little <laughs> teeny cloud. Uh, uh, you know, apart from the first year I played, it rained. Um, the first year Mark Rippon won and like in the rain at the end wow. and that was the the last i would think it was eight years ago um that he won and i think 2014 i want to say so maybe nine years okay. um it'll be and that was the last time i even saw a cloud so it's uh it's pretty special it's pretty it's a pretty special spot to uh, live yeah. for us that's for sure uh so i remember last year you telling me that every year base camp pizza is part of the routine what else oh, yeah. has to happen when you make it over here to state line we we spend a lot of money at base camp pizza um whether it's like go you know the parents will go and bring it over yeah. for the kids we'll sit outside here on the on the lawn you know overlooking the lake and and you know again owen's family jake's family and um and, and ours and you know you just you people just kids just sort of roll up and steal a piece of pizza and we do it all the time you know we kind of do it all the time and um yeah base camp pizza definitely one i mean we eat a lot of food here we just try and spend, you know, spend as much time as we can outside. It's so nice. The lake feels like it's like a, you know, a cleansing uh, experience just to get in there. Um, pretty cold, yeah. but uh, but um, good for the soul. I'm glad to hear you get in because Charles Barkley was arguably the face of this whole event. He told me last year that he has never gotten in yeah. Lake Tahoe. Well, 2020, we we I mean, we tried to start like a. Uh, I jumped in after the win and you know tried to start. I don't know. I don't know if Vinny did. I'm sure Rome, uh, Tony didn't last year. Uh, no one wants to see him with a shirt off anymore. Um, but I uh, love you, Tony. But um, uh, maybe we can we can get that back. We can uh, if I win, I'll jump in the lake. I was going to ask last question as we get set. As you said, we're about a month out. What happens from now until uh, that first round? Are you going to get ready to try to uh, get that yeah, title again? A lot of practice. I'm going to go out to the U.S. Open, which is down the street from me in L.A. Um, next week, try and steal some pointers um, and. Uh, 
yeah, I got to get practicing. I got to get on these greens are tough. They're always, I never make any putts when I come out here. So it's so frustrating, <laughs> but uh, the course is always beautiful. It's, you know, obviously Edgewood does an amazing job of, yep. of, uh, of putting this on. And Mike Milthorpe puts on a phenomenal event um, in his team every year. So nothing to complain about. It's just, uh, it can't come soon enough. It's a pretty good gig. Yeah. He is Marty Fish. It is media day at Edgewood. We'll see you back here in a month as you look to get another title at the ACC. Well, I hope, I hope. I can't wait. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're back after this. You've all called us in here for a special session and are asking minimally for the state to give you all $36 million per year for the next five years for a taxpayer-funded stadium at the same time that the governor has vetoed funding for summer school, a bill to support children's mental health, a bill requiring paid family leave, all because the governor said we couldn't afford them. Can you explain to me why we need to provide hundreds of millions of dollars for a billionaire team to come to the Las Vegas Strip on some of the most valuable property in the world if we can't provide funding for critical resources like summer school and healthcare. Dang, strong statements as we welcome you back into NSN Daily. That was from Nevada Senator Rochelle Wynne as uh, the legislature's special session continues into this week. Mike, the A's potential ballpark in Las Vegas proving to be a battle. The team is eyeing $380 million in public funding. The legislature is yet to vote on the measure, which is now known as Senate Bill 1. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy, and as she kind of laid out, is you know why should we be giving these billionaire owners these kinds of breaks when there are you know some issues when it comes to the state that, as she detailed out, things have been vetoed, things have been shut down. Uh, this is kind of an ongoing discussion when it comes to stadiums and public funding, and it's something that always comes up, not just here in the state of Nevada. This is everywhere. This is always a discussion. I mean, the it's reason true. why you know, things kind of fell apart in Oakland is I think the team maybe wanted more than the city and with the county, with the state, were willing to do uh, up in Northern California. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out when it comes to uh, the legislature, you know, whether this is going to happen. And, and I'm not sure if, you know, the state of Nevada, the Nevada legislature needs to necessarily be kind of held hostage to exactly the demands uh, of the Oakland A's. And I think right now the A's are getting a pretty good deal. So, you know, what, what kind of, I, I, without knowing a ton of the, the kind of the political landscape, right, right. I'll be completely honest. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, and you're looking at an Oakland A's team that despite recently stringing together some wins for the first time really this year, they got a sweep recently, but they are the laughing stock of the league. And so if you're Las Vegas, do you want this team to come to your town? And are they going to be doing the same thing? Yeah. There was a, uh, a gentleman, and I forget his name, but he was part of the public testimony, and he said he used to be a senior executive with the A's. He said they don't know how to pour into their community. They don't mm -hmm. know how to run a franchise. Do you really want to bring this to Southern Nevada, as Senator Wynn said, on some of the most coveted mm -hmm. property, quite literally, on the planet? And so maybe if they can pay for it all, then yeah. it's more worth looking into it. Sure. But, yeah, you're asking the state for $380 million when, as she said, you can't – uh, afford to pay for things like mental health for kids and um, paid leave. Um, there's, you know, there's something to be 
said for all of that stuff. And I think if you're a resident of the Valley, yeah. you don't want to foot the bill for the Oakland A's. Maybe you wait, as we talked about before airing, maybe there's opportunity for expansion in maybe. the near future. And maybe Vegas gets its own team like it did with mm -hmm. the Golden Knights. And we've seen how they've just really Yeah, maybe taken it doesn't have on. to come from the Oakland A's right. moving to Vegas in order to get a Major League Baseball team. And yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I, I think personally, I think Major League Baseball in Vegas on the Strip would be really cool. That's a lot of games to fill, though. And, you know, is it going to be full all the time? I'm, I don't know. I'm, yeah. not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure because, I, you know, I've seen you – know, I lived in Miami, and I, I see what happened to that ballpark a lot of nights. It's empty. Mm -hmm. You know, is Vegas going to put 35,000, 40,000 people into a baseball stadium every single night? I don't know. It'll be kind of like – I feel like it'll be kind of like the Las Vegas Raiders coming to town and that the road team will end up doing a lot of the traveling. Like, oh, hey, yeah. we're going to go to the Vegas series But that works – to me, that works for, like, the NFL because it's once a week. Once a week, you're right. Yeah, you know, it's once a season. I think the amount of games you got to fill in baseball, to me, is a completely different yeah. challenge in terms of attendance. Right, and so. you saw T-Mobile was completely funded privately. Yeah. Allegiant Stadium was There's not. There's plenty of private money that's going into Vegas. But that's and that, the thing. I think that's the point is, like – you know, there are a lot of people that come and do things in Vegas, and they do it with their private money yeah. without asking. Now, obviously, Allegiant Stadium was a different beast, you know, So, and, and they've already gotten that one deal done. So at the end, it probably will get done, but, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see how the rest of this discussion kind of plays and out. And there is an argument to be made that, you know, T-Mobile, Allegiant, those are more multi-purpose facilities. How much can you do mm -hmm. with a baseball park? We'll have to see as right. uh, the renderings are certainly really pretty, but we're a long way <laughs> from breaking ground in Southern Nevada for the Oakland, potentially the Las Vegas A's. As that mm -hmm. special session continues, I think I read it's a quarter million dollars a day to keep the no legislature kidding. up in their car in Carson City, which they were supposed Oof. to be done last week. Mm. So we'll see if that comes to a head here this week. Of course, we'll keep you covered. Speaking of the Vegas board and Golden Knights, though, they are on the precipice of bringing Lord Stanley's Cup to Southern Nevada. I think that's what sports fans in Vegas are more worried about right now. VGK taking a commanding 3-1 series lead, getting the win Saturday 3-2 in Florida as Vegas salvages a split on the road, bringing them back home for Tuesday's Game 5 with a chance to clinch the cup in front of their faithful fans at T-Mobile Arena. Here is the squad sounding off on being 60 minutes from history. It's different. Um, you know, it's a different game uh, than the other ones. There's a lot more motion, a lot more everything. Everybody knows, you know, what's, what's going to be there. So, um, yeah, I think uh, just try to play. Um, that's kind of the biggest thing. You know, there's a lot of uh, emotion, a lot of everything. Um, you know, I think being at home too, you know, the fans, everybody's going to be into it. Emotion's going to be high, adrenaline, you know, everything. So um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just composed um, and just shift by shift. I mean, you know, it's all the cliches, um, but, you know, I feel, feel confident. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have been in this position before, and, um, you know, I think that's something that has benefited us. And, um, you know, I think uh, everybody's going to be ready and, you know, it's, uh, it's one went away from, you know, a lot of dreams for a lot of guys. As I said, there's going to be a lot of people in the rear when you're one game away um, about different things. So, right, maybe you take a day and, you know, enjoy that or deal with that. But when we get back on the ice uh, Monday, you know, it's time to get back to work and back to business. And our, our group's been very good at that, Nick, very good. Uh, they understand what's at stake. All right, puck drops 5 o'clock Tuesday 
in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, the NBA season can end tonight. The Denver Nuggets have a chance to celebrate their first title at home, taking a 3-1 series lead in a Game 5 with Miami. Denver snagging both games in South Beach behind an impressive all-around effort. Nuggets favored by nine points tonight at home. Tip-off set for 5-30. What are you thinking, Mike? I think Denver finishes things out in a gentleman's sweep. I think we get a pair of gentlemen sweeps in both the NBA and the NHL back-to-back -back nights. Denver, you know, somehow flew under the radar, even though they were the best team in the West really all year long. And I think that they've kind of carried that chip on their shoulder throughout this playoff run. They'll be like, all right, tonight teams, teams will finally be on notice that we were the best team all year long, mm. and they'll get to celebrate it at home. First ever championship for Denver. That city's going to be rocking tonight. All right. Uh, coming up next on NSN Daily, uh, Caleb Martin, of course, playing for the Miami Heat. How about another Wolfpack great and one of his former teammates going to be in the house? Jazz Johnson's in town. He stopped by to talk about his pro career and more. My chat with the one-time silver and blue sharpshooter sharp is coming up next on NSN Daily. All right, back here inside our Legends Bay Casino Lounge, powered by Circus Sports. Jazz Johnson joining us today back in uh, northern Nevada. Man, how does it feel just to be back uh, back in Reno, back in the city, and, and uh, being around some of your former teammates? I imagine mm -hmm. it's been, uh, been quite the ride. Uh, it's crazy. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I've been here in like two years or something like that, and it's changed so much. The campus is different. I, was, I think I was driving on Virginia or something like that, and I seen, I look over, and there's a bridge on the backside of the yeah. campus. I'm like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> all the new towers going up. You're like, dang, what are all these new buildings? Yeah, it's crazy. But um, it's nice to be back in the city. You know, it's nice to see familiar faces. Um, still see that, you know, you get some love from people you make connections with and they're still here. And it's nice to be back for sure. During your uh, career at Nevada, one time uh, Mountain West Sixth Man of the Year. I mean, everyone knew you as being kind of that sharpshooter. The guy could knock down threes and just kind of a gritty guard out there on the floor i mean you look back at some of this college tape i mean just what does it kind of flood you with some of the memories about playing at nevada playing for the silver and blue man it's i mean even just looking at this little clip right here it's, it brings back so much memories it brings back you know the love that i had you know so many so many adverse times you know just having to work through it um being around caleb cody jordan trey Niz, all my teammates, you know, it's just, it brings back so much happy memories of just being together and enjoying life. So since then, let's kind of catch people up on where you are now. Uh, you just wrapped up your third season playing professional basketball in Italy uh, this past year with, with Rimini. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about the experience playing pro ball in Italy. I mean, I, I can't imagine how, how much fun that must be. Yeah, like you said, um, it's my third year. Um, and honestly, like, I don't think I would want to play in any other country you know obviously the overseas thing you kind of play everywhere but Italy's such a beautiful country the culture is so beautiful the food is amazing obviously um and just the the lifestyle is just like real laid back um you know you have that midday break that everyone takes but um <laughs> yeah I mean this year I was on a, a coastal city uh Rimini's a big tourist city um so you know I'm right there on the beach um it was just it was fun it was amazing and Italy has some high-level basketball, so it's nice to know that I'm able to, you know, play on that level and have fun on and off the court. And uh, we were just talking off here with Mike. Uh, he was mentioning how Dario Hunt, a former Nevada player, also uh, is in that league. Have you have you come across anyone else uh, during your travels in Italy? Maybe guys you played against in college, or mm -hmm. maybe played with in high school or travel. I mean, have you kind of come across some other 
uh, you know, kind of familiar faces on the circuit? Familiar face. I mean, there's so it's so many. You know, like the basketball world is big, but it's also so small at the yeah. same time. Um, but I mean, I can't really name anyone specific. I mean, each person kind of ha kind of has like their own like uh, memory for me. You know, their own little special place uh, if we made a connection. But uh, you know, it's I don't know. It's kind of hard to connect with everybody. Yeah, for so. sure. I, you know, for me, I think about playing in Italy and and just the opportunities. From a lifestyle perspective, I mean, have you kind of had that aha moment where you kind of sit back and go, dang, I could have never imagined when I was 12 years old that I'd be living in Italy, playing basketball as my full-time profession. Mm. I mean, do you have some of those moments sometimes where you have to take that kind of step back and go, dang, I'm pretty blessed to be here? Yeah, um, you know, it's crazy because it actually hit me this year. Um, you know, it's kind of hard. Because obviously you're there for a long time, you're away from your family, you miss your family, you just you just want to be around something familiar. And this year I can kind of say like I, I got used to, to being away and it really hit me. I'm just driving, normal day, just driving, sunny day by the beach and I just realized like, wow, like I just spent 10 months in Italy. And you know, you just got to kind of sit back and appreciate the smaller things that, you know, I'm spending a lot of time in a place where people dream to vacation and I you know I can't take that for granted now for me I when I travel I'm, I'm a huge foodie no matter what but <laughs> give me like international like I want to know it's really good so uh you know of course you think about Italian food there's the traditional spaghetti lasagna whatever uh is there any kind of type of food or dish that you've discovered while you've been there or maybe have some favorites while because I know Italian food is mm -hmm. is uh, amazing and it's different in Italy though isn't it I mean, I'll say this. So all the Italian food that we eat here, you know, you think of uh, Olive Garden and chicken parm and chicken Alfredo. That that doesn't that's exist. Not, that's, not the real, no. that's not the real stuff. No, that's our not. Americanized version exactly. of, of Italian food. But uh, some food, I'll say like some go-tos that you can't go wrong with that anywhere you go that are it's going to be good. Uh, pasta pesto, um, mm. tagliatelle ragu. Um, that's kind of like essentially like spaghetti, but right. with like fatter, fatter, fatter noodle. Noodles. Yep. Get a good ragu, just like that good kind of meat sauce, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, I'm sure if any of the Italians will watch this, they'll get mad at me. But I think the pasta is called like strozzapetti, strozzapetti <laughs> uh, noodles or something like that. But it's uh, the meat inside is called graminia, mm. and it's like they take their time. They uh, they marinate it. It's not like something you just make really fast, but they take their time with it, and it's it's one of the best Dang. pasta dishes I've ever Get, had. Getting hungry just, just thinking about it. <laughs> Italy's actually one of the countries I've never been to. I, I would actually love to really? to go check it out. Uh, you mentioned you know being received by the Italian fans listening to this, and I know you've been able to kind of forge a strong connection with fans there. I know you forged a strong connection with fans here at Nevada. You said you still, as you're walking around town, people still – show you love, I mean, I mean, what has that been like, you know, kind of connecting with a fan base that, you know, isn't even your home country? I mean, talk to mm -hmm. me about that process and what that's like. Uh, I mean, it's extremely eye-opening and it's incredible to see what the game of basketball can do. Because um, like you said, you know, I was able to build a, a cool, you know, little fan base or whatever, or, you know, just whatever here in Reno. And to think I can go to a completely different place where, you know, we don't even speak the same language. Obviously, you know, they speak English there too as well, but there's a lot more differences between us. And the fact that basketball could bring us together is like, it's 
that for me, that's what it's always been about. You know, I've always been a person that, you know, I talk about heart over height and really loving mm-hmm. the game. And this is all part of it, you know, not just the the working out, the the shooting shots, getting points or whatever, you know, it's it's about the connections you make with the people. And, you know, you, you inspire people, you know, you, you give them a reason, you know, we play on Sundays, you mm-hmm. give them a reason to get up and want to be excited for something. And so I think that's, I'm, extre- I'm extremely grateful for me being able to be in the position to inspire people. Jazz, right now, uh, NBA Finals are underway. Uh, Miami Heat, of course, Whew. have Caleb Martin, your former teammate, yeah. uh, on there. Uh, I still think he should have been Eastern Conference Finals MVP. For sure. Uh, the way that he played in that series against the Boston Celtics. What's it been like for you knowing Caleb as well as you do to sit there and watch him do what he's doing right now on the game's highest stage? Yeah, um... Like you said, knowing Caleb, it's it's amazing because you know you when when I play with Caleb, you know Caleb was top dog, you know he top of the top that you know I I put him against anybody in the country and I I got my money on Caleb, and for him to go through some adversity to to be cut to have to go through the G League route and knock down each wall, you know like that's something I've always been about just putting your head down and working. And that's what Caleb did, and you know that's that's how they've always kind of been. You know, they they always just kind of be to themselves mm-hmm. and 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 work out and just figure it out on their own. And the fact that Caleb could do that and he's doing it on, like you said, the highest stage, is amazing. And I'm I'm just extremely proud to see him do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean it's cool. You see him drop like 20 points in a game, but is is part of you not surprised that he's able to carry himself on this level? I mean. Uh, it's so hard to do it in the NBA, but mm-hmm. are you surprised that he's able to compete the way he is? I wouldn't say I'm surprised because I know I've seen with my own two eyes what, what he's capable of doing. I've seen it. I've been next to him. So when he's able to have these outbursts, you know, I've, I'm in my head, I'm like, that's, that's Caleb. You know, that's the Caleb I know. But, I mean, it's also a feat within itself to see mm-hmm. how Caleb has grown and changed his game into being a, a, an elite defender, into – you know, being a guy that was the top guy in college and finding your own niche, finding your right. own role, he did that, you know? So that's, that, that's, a, that's a feat in itself, and I'm proud of him for doing that because it takes a lot. Yep. Yeah, he might not he, – he has the height, but I, he's got the heart you talk about, that heart he over height. The, yeah, he's and got You talk that. about heart, he's got it. And so Caleb's got heart and height, so – <laughs> it's good to see you, man. It's good to see Thanks, you. Thanks, Jazz. Yep. Uh, Thank make sure so to keep keep up with Jazz. You can find him on social media. He's out there balling in Italy. Uh, maybe you know, tune into one of his games. Uh, we, we love catching up with you, man. Yeah, thank you so much. All I right. just want to say uh, shout out to the Reno community, man. I love you guys. Um, I'm still tuned in to Reno basketball all the time. And I thank you guys for everything, truly. Appreciate it, Jazz. Yep, thank all right, you. back with more of NSN Daily just after this quick break. Welcome back to NSN Daily on a Monday, the last Monday of the school year in Washoe County and the last Monday of high school for a bunch of area seniors, including the latest to take her talents on the mat, bars and beam to the Division One ranks. Nevada Sportsnet's Shannon Kelly recently catching up with the area's latest star gymnast. As soon as she could walk, Mackenzie Kelly was in gymnastics. I was two years old. My mom put me in mommy and me classes, so she would hold my hand and I'd walk across a little beam. The Reed High senior started competing at seven years old, looking up to Olympic gymnasts, Nastia Lukin and Sean Johnson. I went to the Olympic trials. I was super little. I was like, mom, I want to be like them one day. 
Fast forward a decade, and Kelly trains at Flips Gymnastics in Sparks for four hours a day, five days a week. I'm here more than I see my own parents. When you go up in levels, also you need to practice more. It doesn't mean that like you're practicing all the time in the gym, like mentally outside too. Eating right, drinking enough water, always thinking about, oh, I have practice today, so I need to start the night before drinking enough water, not just while I'm in the gym. Balancing a rigorous practice schedule, honors classes, student council, and National Honor Society, the gymnast quickly learned the importance of time management. Normally in bed at like 10. I go to bed pretty early. If I have like a lot of homework, I'll do it at lunch or I'll do it in other classes if I have spare time. Towards the end of Kelly's junior year, she fractured both of her ankles. What was once a small setback sitting out for a few weeks made for a stronger comeback. When I come here, I always want to be doing something and just seeing my friends like doing stuff and I wasn't able to, it was kind of like, oh, come on. Hard work, which has paid off for Kelly, landing her a scholarship at Southern Utah University. I know it will be a challenge, but I really like the coaching staff and the environment at SUU. I still can't believe that I'm doing college gymnastics. It's hard to be like, oh, I, I'm where I want it to be because I still have so many goals that I want to accomplish. As one of Northern Nevada's top gymnasts, Kelly says she's used to being challenged and tries to be a role model for her younger sister, Michaela, and the other girls at her gym. I don't think there's been a competition season where I've been like, yeah, this is, this is easy. You can come into the gym and you could have the worst day. You cannot make a single skill and you have to come in the next day and do it again, even if you do fall. You still have to come in and be ready to be happy with failure. In Sparks, Shannon Kelly, Nevada Sportsnet. Thank you, Shannon, and congrats to Mackenzie, and best of luck in Cedar City. Next on Daily, Alex is back as we wrap a bow on this Monday show with an all-time putt and tackle at the Canadian Open in Toronto. You want to see that? Wrapping up this Monday installment of NSN Daily with the Canadian Open final round in Toronto, fourth playoff hole. This is Nick Taylor from 72 feet. The Eagle will win it. 72? You'd say 72? 72 feet. 72 feet to win a tournament, Alex. That's a heck of a putt on hole one. How about on a fourth playoff to get it done? And this man is also the first Canadian to win the Canadian Open since 1954. So a historic wow. win for Mr. Taylor, and he does it in incredible fashion. You saw Fleetwood. who was that crowd, too? That was, that was Unbelievable. awesome. Unbelievable. Fleetwood was getting ready for his next putt. Next thing you know, that one's going in. He doesn't even have to hit his next shot because he just lost. So shout out to uh, Nick Taylor. Now they're bringing in the champagne to start celebrating, and that's where... Turns out more people are talking about the celebration, Alex, than they are about the incredible putt that was hit because one of his buddy, Adam Hadwin, comes in to celebrate and he just gets <laughs> laid out by security. He is a fellow Canadian golfer, one of his buddies. I guess security doing their job maybe too well in that instance. That's amazing. Like, he actually thought he was just some <laughs> random dude, like, spraying champagne. Like, take him out. Yeah, like, how would this guy be on the course with a ball Good of form on the tackle, though. It was a solid form, and the Adam's <laughs> wife said that, actually, in true Canadian form, he ended up apologizing to security guard, <laughs> which is typical, I guess. 72 feet. <laughs> we can only dream. Wow. We'll see you tomorrow on NSN Daily, friends.